Golden Shower, The Orgasm Princess, Peace and Quiet, Meat Checking, Role of the Gender, Peak Intimacy, Grinds My Testicles, Spidey Senses, Give Him Some Bread, Ass Hair. Those are the last 10 episode titles of a podcast I just discovered. It's never that deep. You know me. I listen to a lot of podcasts as is. So for any new podcast to enter into my new rotation, it has to stand out. It has to be worthwhile. It has to be my type of humor, which by default means it's your type of humor. May I suggest that you go check out It's Never That Deep with Omar and Fanu. It is a podcast where covers a lot of the same stuff on here. We sometimes cross paths, but sometimes they talk about stuff a little bit different. Sometimes we talk about stuff a little different. It's Never That Deep has been a national treasure. Almost as much of a treasure as a golden shower. Go check out... here. Just do this for me, right? Go in the description. Whenever you get bored during my episode or after my episode or click it now. I don't care. You know what? If you're going to leave my podcast to listen to another one, this is the one I want you to listen to. I want you to just listen to the Golden Shower episode. Because I know once you listen to that episode, you're never going to leave. It's going to become a consistent part of your rotation. You can have your comedy podcast taken care of. Just have us two. Off and beat. And it's never that deep. It's a great show. Great podcast. Great humor. Some, and like... My show, they cover on some real shit as well. It's honestly a great show. Uh, Go check it out, you know. In this small podcasting world that we live in, for small podcasters, you know, um, I'm endorsing them. And if I endorse them, you can trust me. And even if you're not sure, at least go listen to their next episode. That'll be coming out this Friday. You may or you may not hear a shout out for the boy. It'll be my first shout out on another podcast. So, if you guys can do me a favor, look in the description, look for links as podcasts for Spotify or Apple Podcasts, whichever you use, or you can really find their podcast anywhere. Remember, it's never that deep. That's the name of the podcast. It's never that deep. And if you can help the both of us, if you can leave a review on Apple Podcasts for both of our podcasts, Help us with the charts, helps grow, helps grow the podcast. And one more can I say, ass hair, golden shower, checking your meat, all vital things of life. All right, guys, about to start the episode. But before we start, suck some titties and start the episode now. Remember, it's never that deep. Go check it out. Starting now often beats with Clint Ew Alright Welcome to episode 68 of the Often Beat Podcast. I am your host Clint. What the hell is with love handles? Who came up with the name Love handles. 
Because the ironic part of love handles, no one actually loves them. No one has ever sat with me in a movie theater. No lady has first thing they want to touch is, ooh, let me touch that 235-pound body of yours. In the waist. It's like, no. It's like when I was younger. They used to use terms when you were in your preteen, the teenage years, when you were a bigger fella. They would use words like husky. Oh, wow, you're you're a you're a big guy. They like to use code words. But you get older and you realize, man, those were not they were being around the bush, right, Sophia? No matter how many one tree is up on the hill, Peyton is never coming. God damn it, Lucas. Lucas! When you really think about One Tree Hill, it's a bunch of fucking teenage whores. They just literally pass around each other like they would in their basketball games. But I digress. Love handles. I have had a decent amount portion of my body touched by the opposite sex in my lifetime. The top 10 places... They're most commonly touch. The love handles, never one of them. And trust me, I've gone through phases where there's a lot more handles to love. See, the thing is, we live in this body positivity world. But I see through all the bullshit. I see through love. Love someone for their body plus negative plus size, negative size models. Love them for their body. Love their imperfections. It's like, you know what? The how come every time we lay together and cuddle, you know what you never do? You don't touch the inside of my smelly belly button where it smells like literally in between the gooch and the crotch. It's not what you do. With the little leftover crumbs from when I angel soft earlier after dropping a rice and chicken type of deuce. You know what I'm talking about for those who have been dieting and trying to hit the gym. But the love handles are not the first thing. Like, you know, when they look you in the eyes or they're kissing you in the cheek. Let me name all the parts they have that they will probably touch on you as a man before they touch your beautiful love handles. They will probably touch your hands. They will probably touch your hairy chest. They will probably touch your shoulders. Maybe your back. Middle, upper, lower back. You know what? We'll just call it all one part. They may even touch your quad, your inner thigh, leading up to the man underneath saying, I'm coming up. They'll probably touch your forehead. They'll probably touch your lips. They'll probably even touch your feet. They will touch a lot of things on your body. They are not going to sit there and just pinch your love handles. You know why? One, it's in a weird place. It's a weird place to just sit there and grab and touch. It just is. 
That's why I see through this body positivity. You know what? Like the girls are. Is, I don't even want to dumb it down to what girls loving guys and all that shit, right? Because you know guys are pretty, you know, shitty towards women in a lot of ways. But this whole man, I don't need my man to be in shape. I love love handles. Love handles make me wet and turn me on so fucking much. Mm. Cause you know, a lot of us single guys out here are the ones with the love handles. Not just love handles, love handles. You could literally grab onto it like, you know, Mufasa was unable to hold on to dear life. You could like if I was up on a let's say someone was jumping off a bridge and I saw it, I ran towards them and as they're jumping off, I grabbed them with my hand, right? And let's say I'm falling down and then all of a sudden it's me hanging off. But they're holding to my feet. And as they're climbing up my body, they could literally use my love handles as I'm pulling us up. Like a rock climbing thing. You know, like when you go to one of those rock climbing places, those indoor, outdoor climbing things. My love handles are literally one of those indented things that are hanging out. It's just funny to me. Why do we call them love handles? When they are the most unloved, unintended, untouched, unfucked, un-anything that the opposite sex touches us. I love touching some love handles on a woman, but it's much different. There are positions, there are times and places that I don't want to get graphic today. You can do the math of when us men will touch your love handles. It's probably when there's a lot of love handling, if you get my drift. <laughs> oh, Clint, go fuck yourself. Oh, but see, like us men with love handles, we have probably had McDonald's in our recent life. And trust me, we're loving it. But you in return aren't loving it. It's cool, though. You know what they say? It's like Grover Cleveland said. He said, if you can't handle my love, don't love what you can't handle. Because if you handle with love, love will handle what love is bare to differ. What does that mean? Absolutely nothing. I have no fucking clue what that means. But you know what it does sound like? It sounds like one of those bullshit quotes that's, regurg- that's regurgitated on YouTube comment sections. Where people with random quote, it'll be like, uh, Love is in the air, but air is only love when love is in the Mark Twain. It's like, Mark Twain would never write that bullshit. Or they'll put some philosophy. It'll be like a video of a cat. Of a cat becoming friends with a with a cheetah or better yet a dog becoming friends with the cheetah because i saw a fucking video of that today it will be like dog is man's best friend but cheetahs they'll run and they'll put galileo it's like no and no one ever fact checks these people one of the most overused things which although this is a true comment Everyone has a plan until they get punched in the face. Mike Tyson. Great. 
You know what? That's a very valuable, that's a quote that applies to a lot of things in this life. You know what? Life sometimes punches you in the face. You thought you had a plan. Life punches you in the face. You get in a car wreck, lose your car, ends up in a river. Life punches you in the face. But how you react to it, right? You had a plan. Part of that plan wasn't your car getting flipped over into the river. And worst of all, you survived. So now you have to live with it. Good luck with that gap insurance. But the point is, it's just regurgitated quotes that don't always apply to anything. Not everything literally applies to that. There are some things you could take for it and apply to real life. But you know what? Everyone has a plan. That's like saying everyone has a plan until, you know, I lost my eight brothers and sisters in a plane crash. What are you going to do? You got punched in the face. What are you going to do about it? It's like, I'm going to cry and lay in my bed for five months. I just lost eight brothers and sisters. How are you going to react? You can't just sit there and lay in your morals. It's like, kind of can. I lost literally 90% of my family. I think I can sit and cry. I think I could ball up into a ball. It's okay, see, but you know what? No. You can't just sit there and cry because men are supposed to be vulnerable, but we can't cry. We can't deal with pain. Look, I know... I know your wife cheated on you. I know you lost your house. I know that the person you cheated on you with is living in your house. I know you're homeless. But you know, man, you just got to keep your head up. I see something good on the horizon for you. Those people are the absolute fucking worst. It's like, you know what? Even if you do see something great on the horizon for me, shut the fuck up. Because you know what? I don't see it. And just because you say it and you have no proof of evidence, let people say general statements, but literally have nothing. I was like, okay, what did you see? It's like, well, you know, it's just an intuition. God, you know, I prayed to God last night. <coughs> I prayed to God last night and he told me that you were going to run into someone in the near future and they're going to be down on their luck. And you're going to reaffirm them that everything's going to be all right. It's like, oh, really? Because hmm. you know what? God kind of forgot me in the memo. Why does he tell everyone but me? Why do we live in a world where we tell everyone but the person that is most directly affected what the fuck's going to happen to them? Or what's wrong with them? Why? Why, why do we live in this such passive-aggressive world where we tell everyone around the situation? Like, it's kind of like this whole fucking code of, oh... If you see, like, it's like if you're a friend of someone and you see them cheating on their significant other and you know their significant other is a decent human being and hasn't done the same action to warrant that reaction of what's happening to them. And you said, well, she's my friend. It's not my business. It's like, yeah, but you know what? It kind of is his. Crazy. Or verse the tables. Make a man, one woman, man. You get the picture. But why? This whole bro code, woman sisterhood, this woman pack. Yeah, your pack of wolves just feasting. Just feasting off the disfortune of your own friends. 
It's crazy to me. But why are we just cool with that? Makes no fucking sense to me. I understand life's not as simple as black and white, yes and no. Am I gay? Am I straight? Do I want my penis or do I not? If I just tuck it in, you know what? Life would be a whole lot easier. Less embarrassment. But you know what? It matters. It matters. Transparency. Life would be so much easier if when we saw, if we see what's on the horizon for someone for good or bad, why don't we give them a heads up? Like, hey, I know you're homeless on the street, but two weeks from now, I saw it. You were going to be back up on your feet. You're going to have a job at this location. But no, it's just general. You know what? We'll pray for you. We know God's got you. And I'll tell you where that irked me the most last night. Last night. Sometimes, like we all do, we go through weird YouTube rabbit holes. I remember a month and a half ago. I went on this obsession, which I think started my sleep schedule fuck up. I was watching car crash compilations for like six hours straight a night. It gets you. Man, I don't know why. It was more of the obsession or like the, you know, the breaking road rage and all that shit. You know, all those compilations of that shit. I was just obsessed with it. It was just, you know, when you drive every day and stuff. And you come on, you watch videos, you're like, man, how does this shit not happen to me? Like, this shit is so common, you're like, oh my god. Like, you're aware accidents and shit happen, but Jesus Christ, when you watch these YouTube videos, and it's like, oh my fucking god, 40 minute compilation videos, and you're locked in, because you're like, oh my god, this bitch is going to turn right, and then they put the arrows, whoever does the editing, like, watch this, but oh shit, it's the craziest shit. So recently, I've been going last night. It was just last night. One time thing. One night stand. Some of these people probably should have stuck to that curriculum. So I went through this watching courtroom outburst. Typically, it's people that have been... It'll be like a video of someone in a courtroom when they're uh, you know, on trial and shit. They're about to be told the verdict and... They're like, what are your, do you want to say any last statements? And they'll be like, you know, judge, you're a faggot. Or they'll look at the victims, or they'll look at the victim's mother when they killed their son and be like, your son was a bitch. Like, oh my God, these people are ruthless. Or just these people yelling, just having these episodes, whatever. I went through this rabbit hole like five hours last night. I came across this one video, very disturbing, the case. The case was a 10-year-old getting impregnated by a 34-year-old guy. Now, the 34-year-old was a live-in boyfriend of the mother, right? They did the DNA test, obviously it's his. Whatever, well, not whatever. But the weirdest part, well, I shouldn't say weirdest, but she actually gave birth to the baby. As disturbing as the case is, which is pretty disturbing, mother should be held at fault. Because thing is, 
not a great home environment, whatever. Maybe be more careful with random strangers you bring and to raise your child. Crazy thought. But most disturbing was the fucking YouTube comments. The comments. There was this one lady. Well, there was a couple, but I'm going to focus on this one lady. She was saying, all we can do is pray for her. That's all we can do. All we can say is thank God she decided to not kill that baby. Thank God. Because that would be teaching her to murder. She put that in all caps. And of course, people comment under like, um, so you're okay with, well, she was 11 when she gave birth to the child. So you have no problems with an 11 year old being given birth to a fucking child. They kept saying, well, God, God has in the plans what he has in the plans. You know what? I don't think God had in the plans a 34-year-old impregnating a 10-year-old. Just throwing that out there. Um, This isn't a God or anti-God thing. It's just like, if you are going to go down this road, please don't use God in situations that don't work in your favor. Even God's looking down like, hey, I'm not a part of this. I put them there. I can't control. It's open season out here for all the wrong reasons. The worst part is somehow a 10-year-old, 11-year-old having a baby. Somehow this lady thought, you know what? This is the right time to bring God and to remind people that as weird and as fucked up as this situation is, the worst part would have been if she got an abortion. Here's what I think almost all people can agree on. And when you're talking about the abortion bill and Texas, the six-week rule and all that shit, regardless if you're pro or anti-abortion. And people will say the rule applies to everyone regardless if you were raped and impregnated or whatever. So you're telling me, maybe we make exceptions for things all the time. You're telling me you would not make the exception if your 11-year-old child found out got pregnant by a 34-year-old male. That would not change your process because you know what you got to think about? Hey, I don't know if my 11-year-old child is ready to raise a kid. I don't even know if they understand the magnitude. You know, when you're 17 or 18, you're more than likely not ready, but you at least kind of understand the magnitude. You've at least lived your childhood. You've at least lived, had the ability to live before X, Y, and Z happened. But a 10-year-old, somehow, I'm not, look, I'm not a doctor, I'm not a labor giver, but I'm going to assume a 10-year-old, 11-year-old giving birth to a child, that baby's going to have a lot of health complications. People have, babies have health complications when you smoke during your pregnancy, drink during your pregnancy, do drugs. When you have pre-consisting addition, people with diabetes, women with diabetes can have issues during birth. You're telling me a 10-year-old who literally just started having their period, they're not going to have any 
no complications. And somehow, and you know what you got to tell that kid? It's like, hey, I know we failed to set a stable environment so you wouldn't get impregnated by a 34-year-old, but God just sometimes takes it out of your hands and gives you gifts that you didn't know you needed at the time. Hmm. I feel like a lot of these people would act a little bit different if it happened to their child. And I understand we can't always <clears throat> always just make it a selfish and individualistic, a monotheistic view type of thing. But you know what common sense would say? Whether you're for or against abortion, I think we're all against 11-year-olds having children. And it's sad when you have to simplify it. When you have to break it down into stupidity, it's sad that this is even a discussion. And the worst part is she was not the only cunt in the YouTube comment section, talk like kind of defending this, because they will always say it's not the baby's fault, it's not the kid's fault. It's like, yeah, you know what? It also wasn't the ten-year-old kid's fault that a dangerous individual. That her mom voluntarily brought into the home. And probably at least had some awareness. And was probably brought the knowledge like, hey, this guy's been touching me and shit. And nothing was really happening. But whatever. We're going to ignore the mother's role in this altogether. But the worst part, it was not that 10-year-old's fault either. A 10-year-old can't conceivably fight off a 34-year-old. So you can't even bring... There's grown, most grown women can't fight off a grown male. And that's, ooh, sexist. Like, no, it's reality. There's a reason why majority women get raped more than men. There's a reason for that, okay? Not breaking news here. But a 10 slash 11 year old, somehow, well, it's not the child's fault. The child, the child shouldn't suffer. Speaking of the baby in the womb. You're right. The child shouldn't suffer. Both of the childs. Both of the children. The literal child that's having the child shouldn't suffer either. You're damaging, literally, again, I'm not a doctor. Not a labor giver expert. But I'm assuming a baby coming out of a 10-year-old um, girl's, be very careful with the word because we are talking about a 10-year-old, uh, baby, a full baby coming out of a 10-year-old's wazoo is not exactly... Great for the body. Just going out on a limb there. Uh, babies don't exactly, as far as I'm aware, babies don't reduce necessarily to the size of the woman. It's not like 300-pound women have 12-pound, 13-pound babies, and 170-pound women have like 6 to 7 pounds. And then 10-year-olds have 2-pound babies. Like, no, nah, if a baby comes out of 2 pounds, probably not going to survive. But we're going to ignore that. It's just crazy to me. And also during it, if you scroll up and down, of course, words like libtard. See, you libtards don't understand life and babies and all this shit. It's like, again, there's exceptions. You could be pro or against abortion. You know, I think we're all against 10-year-old babies having babies. I think we are. Because guess what? By default, you are going to have to raise that child. And imagine as a mother or a father. Which, obviously, the father's not in the picture, but what do you know? Um, But just imagine, as a mother, you 
who say what they want, how fucked up it is. You literally have to look at the creation of a baby that was made because of molestation. And that baby is always going to be known. And it's going to do the math and figure out, oh, I'm a baby that was born out of molestation. Not to get too serious here, just getting under the covers. No one thinks about how fucked up that is. And what bothered me the most was the high defense and the using of religion, which I think even most religious people of God will look at them like, hey, don't bring God into this. Don't. It's like, well, God created us all. So as much as he creates all the great people, he creates all these monsters. It's like, no. Um, shitty families create monsters. Not entirely, because you know what? There's great people that come from shitty families and vice versa. But for that to happen, that's an infrastructure problem. That had nothing to do with God. Had nothing to do with it. But whatever. We're going to pivot and talk about our sponsor for today. Don't forget not to get, um, you know, you guess you could say it's never that deep, but the podcast says, bang, cotton candy. Speaking of cotton, dodgeball, that's a dodgeball reference. What the hell's with the song cut, Cotton Eye Joe? Where's it come from? Where you go? I don't even know what the song means. All I know is that there's a dance attached to it. Because, you know, they create a, you know, dance for us, lighter skin of complexion to keep up with. You know, enough tempo and speed to make us feel like, oh, we're doing something here. But not really anything that, you know, really makes uh. Not exactly anything that makes you, like, impressed. But you know what? We'll just steal. We'll just steal other dances and make more money off TikTok. Fine. We've, trust me, we've mastered that system. But, Cotton Eye Joe. I don't even know what it means. I forget who it's by. I think that's crazy to me. I hate to be that guy. It just feels a little racist. Cotton Eye Joe. Hmm. What does it mean? You're putting cotton in your eye? Like, what's wrong with your eye that you got to put cotton in it? So either we're talking about freaking like Jeepers Creepers type of pine straw, Freddy Krueger looking motherfucker in the middle of the cornfields. Or, we're talking about something completely different. And I don't even want to go down that road. So I'm going to take it down memory lane. You know, behind every memory. Years ago, I was hitting in the spot. Going down memory lane. You know what they say, behind every memory. There is something to be forgotten. Wow. Sounds like another one of those pointless Facebook quotes. Behind every memory, there is something to be forgotten. What does that mean? (sighs) I think it means when you think about 
all your favorite memories in your life. Think about the greatest memory you've ever had. Think about that time you went camping in 2016 with one of your girlfriends or one of your boyfriends. You went into the woods. You went camping one-on-one. Brought some tents. You went to a safe enough area where you don't, you know, you're not actually really feeling threatened. But, you know, enough to feel like you're outdoors. Kind of like the movie Without a Paddle. That type of thing. And you just lived free. You were loving a bag of truck with Togia down to Susan Speaker's zone. Just nothing but fire, wood, Coleman cups, coolers, beer, and just a good old time in the wilderness. You know, there was probably like a three hour in that three day trip. There was probably at least three hours in each day that wasn't really um that spontaneous, wasn't really that great. Where you know what? Didn't really feel didn't really feel like you wanted to be outside. You're like, you know what? You wanna know be really nice right now. Being in a house, air conditioned, TV, YouTube. Here I am outdoors. And then, you know, maybe a couple hours later, you see a moose fucking a squirrel. I don't know. Talk about Rocky and Bullwinkle. <laughs> oh, he's Bullwinkling. Those little winks. Well, twinks, I guess. Or is a twink really a transact? Is a twink really a, tran- a transsexual gay person? I don't know. Why is it T involved? Why can't they just call him Winks? Because like anytime you see like a quote unquote what someone would be identified as a twink, which is a weird term within itself. But if we're going to go down this road, let's go down it. It does make you wink a little bit. Like not in the ooh, but like oh. Makes you raise your eyebrows is probably more. But you know, raise your eyebrows, wink. You have to raise your eyebrows to wink. It just makes you think for a second. Hmm. How'd you get here? Fair question. Not even anything like what happened here, but like, man, like, hmm. It's almost like do you feel are you afraid to gain weight? Are you afraid to I've never found anything I know this, I know this come from the love handle guy. I've never found anything really, really skinny that attractive, me personally. Like, even in a non-perfectly platonic male way, I would never find an overly skinny, twink-looking guy an attractive fella. I don't get it. But hey, I've never had to worry about that. I'm a, I'm a thick twink. Kidding. I am thick. But not the second part. But neither here nor there. Going, you know, if you think about your favorite memory. Is there a lot of fluff that we over-exaggerate to make it our favorite memory? Like, I get it. I'm not saying your memory has had to be perfect from beginning of when the memory happened to end. But, you know... There's levels to memories. 
And I'm at a loss for words. You know why? Because my memory is shot. You know why? Because memories are fucking overrated. Memories are memories for a reason. People always talk about live in the moment. Live free. Don't think about the future. Don't think about the past. Think about right now. Now I'm just like, eh, I don't know. I think that's kind of unreasonable to always just live in the moment. You can't really live in the moment if you're always in the back of your head thinking about, hmm, if I keep doing what I'm doing in the moment, where does this lead me up to? And I, like, I get the whole philosophy. I get the whole mantra, living in the moment. It literally means stop overthinking shit. If you want to do something, do something. Like, I get it. Just be you. Wake up and be not afraid. Wake up, get out. Be in the moment. Feel alive. Trust me, there's a lot of value in that. The worst thing you can do is worry about the past. But if you completely just put a wall in the pa- from the past, how do you? How can you ever say that you learn from anything? You can't say, well, I learned from it, but I don't think about it. It's like, that doesn't make sense. Because when situations come up, think about it. If you ran a stop sign... And caused a three-car collision because someone else ran a stop sign. And then the other person would actually follow in their rules. And you all collide in the middle. You know what? If you didn't learn from that, you're probably going to continuously run stop signs. And every time you hit a stop sign, you know what you're probably going to think of? Man, I hope I'm going to try to avoid a three-car collision today. And you know what? That's a good thing. Thinking of bad things in the past, you know what? It's kind of a good thing. Because it makes you be smarter. You learn. And learning is a constant thing. Not you learn from it once and just like, alright, I did what I could. And you keep doing it, making, doing the same shit over and over again. Where was I going with this? I never know where I'm going with anybody. Jesus Christ. Oh yeah. Memories. Oh, living in the moment. You can't ignore the past. And I understand you don't want to look too far in the future. But you know what? You should at least be realistic about what's on the horizon. See what I did there? Oh, I knew I'd tie it back in. Talk about a loophole. Watching a lot of Seinfeld lately. In case you're not getting the theme of this. But if you just... Look, I'm sorry, I gotta, you know, there's a lot of self-reformation, more confidence when you see, when you see there's something on the horizon for you. If you see that something you've been working on for six months, let's just say whatever business, let's say it's about to get picked up, let's say you're about to get paid for something. If you see money's coming in on the horizon, you know what, it's gonna make you feel better about yourself, build confidence. It's going to be like, man, I did something, and I'm going to be rewarded for it. Or like if you're looking for a job, hello, I, if you're looking for a job, it's like, hmm, I have interviews on the horizon. I'm, it's like, hmm, they call for a second. Oh, there's something on the horizon. Someone's building like, hey, you are hired. Come in for training. Oh, there are things on the horizon. There are things happening. But there's a bounce of living in the moment too. 
Because if you don't live in the moment, maybe you overthink and you don't apply for jobs. Maybe you overthink and you never wrote that something to get paid for. You get fucked over by these movie companies. Go fuck yourself. But you know what I'm saying. That's why when people just say... Just like people just have this uh, train thing we say. And we do it a lot as people. Like we say, oh man, you know, it will get better. You just got to stay the course. You just got to... You just got to have faith. You're doing great. And it doesn't mean you're disingenuous. Because I've said it to people and I truly mean it. But it's definitely something I've been trying to say when something has gone astray for someone. When someone is seeking affirmation. When someone is seeking for a pickup. Like, to pick them up just so they get back on their feet. Like, literally or figuratively. Like, because I made a lot of people cry in the past. Oh, it feels good. Isn't it ironic that? You break someone down, you make them cry, feel less themselves, and they ask you to pick them back up. Oh, it's a beautiful world. Huh? Toxic masculinity. Beautiful. Y'all beautiful. Oh, I miss my toxic side. But you know what? I'm trying to be a better person. You know why? Because I had to learn from the past. I had to look into the future. If I keep being this fuck guy. I don't like using fuckboy. Fuckboy has this weird tendency where it makes you sound like, you know, you fuck boys. But more importantly, fuckboy has this weird mentality that you are literally designed to not bring any benefit. That you are literally everything selfishly motive. When sometimes, but when you're a fuck guy, a fuckboy is someone to everything for selfish purposes. And they don't look at anything beyond whatever happens. They don't understand the repercussions of using girls and making them feel whatever. But a fuck guy knows what they're doing and knows this is what they need. They need this to, for lack of a better word, put calluses on your hand. You know, they need to get stronger for the world. They need to get stronger for how guys are going to treat them. And even though deep down I'm a good guy, you know what? I know what you need. You need me to fuck you over, you need me to use you, but I'm doing it with a sole purpose, I'm doing it and I hope you get mad, it makes you smile, it actually makes me horny when you completely cry over me, like yes, but fuckboy will blame you for why you're crying, a fuck guy will look at you and say, you're welcome, and that is episode 68 episode 68 wow making things happen don't forget like and subscribe and don't forget like it like at the beginning do not forget do it for me fine you know what don't do it for me do it for do it for the podcast community we're tired of the biggest podcasts in the world these highly produced these highly you know that have that have companies to boost their podcasts up the ranks and put them on playlists and all that shit. And that's great and all. But do this for the small guys. We always talk about small small businesses. We always talk about helping the career. We always, we're not asking you for money. We're not one of these bums that ask you for fucking donations when we live in a million dollar house. No, we're barely thousandaires. Maybe ten thousandaires, depending on who you ask, depending on the week. And if you're employed or not, we just want 
your support. We just want, let us be the small podcast you listen to. I understand the biggest in the world. You listen to Joe Rogan, Andrew Schultz, Tom Segura. You listen to Joe Budden podcast. You listen to whatever your subject matter. You, we listen to the biggest of the biggest. I get it. I don't hate you for it. Let us be the little guys you listen to. Because we may be little today. But, you know, I, I don't really have anything after that. You know, I guess you could say there's a little to be had. And contaminate, <clears throat> contaminate the views, contaminate the listens, and go listen. Go listen to Omar and Fainu. It's never that deep. Because let me tell you, it is. This podcasting game is deep. It is, <clears throat> for the most part, Here's, by the way, how <clears throat> when people talk about, right, podcast is very saturated, but it's saturated not necessarily the way you think. Give a little side note, and then we'll sign off in today's episode. This will be the last thing to talk about. Podcasting, let me give you some a little bit. You hear the term, there are two million podcasts in the world, right? It's not really there's 2 million podcasts. It doesn't even mean 2 million have been made in the past year. All it means is that since podcasts have been well known and on feeds, there is 2 million podcasts that have been ever made. Now, that sounds like a lot. Sounds like, oh, we're going against 2 million podcasts of all different types. Got a long way up, buddy. Well, about half, about half of those podcasts, like I said, haven't put out an episode in, I believe, three or four years. That's what the numbers said. So we are laid down the million podcasts that have put out episodes in the past three years. In terms of currently active podcasts, this is the number that matters most when we're talking about podcast competition. In terms of an episode, in terms of podcasts that have, did you know half of those, half of all podcasts I've ever been created have five or less episodes, which basically means they, they thought it would be fun. They did it and they didn't see the rewards they wanted. They just kind of quit. So you cut out the fat, you cut out the people who are just trying to who, oh, they didn't really love it. They thought they would like or maybe they just didn't. But there was definitely, oh, yeah, we're not really in it for the long haul of putting in the work and shit. They just quit for whatever reason. Make excuses. Cool. There's only, this is the craziest number, 60,000 podcasts that have put out, that have been, that put out an episode in the past month it's crazy which means that there's not really that many that are actively doing this it's a big miss homer a lot of people do short series podcasts you also gotta think that there's a lot of people that do podcasts to kind of uh promote something they do it temporarily and they know it's temporary some people are through you know companies so the contract comes up but most people, 
Most people that are still doing it, it's because they love it. Because they enjoy it. Especially ones like me, ones like Omar and Fanu. You gotta love it to do this. Because it's hard. It's hard. It's not hard to necessarily do it once you're recording the shit. It is hard to... It is hard to sit there and take the time, especially when you do video, to have it hour and a half to upload, and then you got to think of descriptions, think of titles. There's a lot of pre and post stuff that takes a lot more than you think. It's not a crazy amount. We don't, I don't really edit our episode, my episodes or nothing. But this stuff, you know, it takes, it, I would say it takes due diligence. And when you have an outside life, when you have jobs and shit, like, you know, it's a little bit more you have to manage time. It's definitely something you have to really plan. And I'm not asking for sympathy. No, no, no. That's not what we're doing here. But what I am asking you. If you enjoy this show, you will love. You will love. It's never that deep. And I hope to be on that show one day. Hopefully we can work something. Maybe they come on our show if we could work something out. We got to figure out the technology and shit. But I like their humor. It's very similar. They tell a lot of corny, corny jokes. They talk about a lot of similar topics you may hear on here. We, I, I even just like reading through descriptions. Some episodes I haven't watched yet. They've even covered very similar things I've covered. It was like, wow, this is like a match made in, you know, butterbean heaven. Point is, go in the description. Click on the links. Leave a review for both of us on Apple Podcasts. And listen, and listen to our shows. We appreciate the support. Have a great day, guys. This was episode 68 of the Off and Beat Podcast. First collab episode. Boy, I want to fucking collapse some cheeks right now. Oh, no. Can I make you feel? I have a fucking phone interview at 3.15 p.m. tomorrow. For a 15-minute phone interview. This is like a phone interview for a job that involves rugs. What are you going to know about me over the phone in 15 minutes? I don't know. You know I'm excited. You know, it's about to get out there in the workforce and, you know, not be a bum. So, yeah. All right, guys. Have a great day. Oh, yeah. Did I mention the... Don't forget to go check out I'll Never... Shit. It's never that deep. See? Doing this podcast too long. Should have stopped. Alright guys, have a great day.